Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. I want to talk to you guys tonight about a little bit about the burden that people make being a follower of Christ. Uh, I don't know how many in you in this room would stand up and go, yes, I am a follower of Jesus, or how many of you might go, you know, I, I'm not sure if I am or not, not sure if I want to be. Some of you are like, I'm just here because my friend told me that she was going to be here, so that's why I'm here tonight. And I know that all three of those categories of student is here tonight, but I want to dive in deep tonight. We're going to jump into some material that I hope really... Um, challenges the way that you look at what it means to follow Jesus, okay? So some of you, if you're in this room tonight and you would say that you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you, are, you have not committed your life to following him, some of this may not apply to you. A big chunk of this message tonight, you guys, is for you that would call yourselves Christians. You would call yourself a follower of of Jesus, the man who came to earth, God-man, he lived, he died on a cross uh, for the sake of your sins and my sins, and he raised again. Um, you would call yourself a follower of him. Huge chunk of this message is for you tonight, all right? So let's jump in. Uh, if you have your Bible apps or if you have a Bible, I'm going to want you to have, we're not going to go there yet, I want you to have Ephesians chapter 2 open, because in a minute... We're going to read this, and in my opinion, it is one of the most beautiful sections of Scripture that could be read. How do you guys feel about society right now? I want you to think about this for a minute. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world right now. It seems like every other week, sometimes every other day, there's another shooting somewhere. It seems like every other day, multiple times a day, we hear about uh, some young person taking their own life or attempting to take their own life. Seems like there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of hate. Uh, I was on my way to work this week and I was behind a pickup truck that had neo-Nazi symbols in the back window. And I found myself getting angry on the inside going, not in my town. Why is this happening in my town? And I was realizing how much hate we're surrounded by. Man, people getting angry. Man, how many of you guys saw a fight in school this week? People getting angry enough to throw blows. I, and I caught myself thinking about this this week going, I wonder if the world really is any different from the way it was 50 years ago. Maybe it's all the same, we just hear more about it because of technology. Or is it really the same as it was 100 years ago? The same amount of violence, the same amount of hate. Because um, I'll tell you that even 50 years ago, even 100 years ago, even 2,000 years ago, society dealt with and they had issue with women being treated poorly. Racism was at the forefront of what uh, cultures and cities were dealing with. There was poverty that was being overlooked. That's not new. None of this is new, students. Same things that were being dealt with decades, centuries, millennia ago are the same things that we're dealing with today. But here's the difference. God has called us 
as redeemed followers of Jesus Christ to live an uncommon life. Scripture uses a phrase that's called holy. It says you have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. It means that you have been set apart for something different. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. If you've thought about the cross maybe setting you apart as a student for something different than everyone else around you. If you've got Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to listen to, to these words that Paul wrote. He wrote this to a church. And he said this. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All the mistakes that you made in God's eyes, you were dead. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work amongst those who are disobedient. He was calling them out. He's saying, look, the way that you used to live, it was godless. It was sinless. You were dead spiritually. All of us also lived among them at one time. He's acknowledging, hey, I, I get it. You were dead, but I was there too. I know what it was like. I've been there. He said, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires, its thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But, look at this but in verse 4. It says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. We were hopeless. We were done. There was no hope for you. There was no hope for me on the other side of Jesus Christ. But because of God's great love, Paul is telling this church in, in Ephesus, he's going, there is hope. He made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in, trans, in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, you were dead in your transgressions you were made new in Jesus Christ in hopes that people might look at your life, your uncommon life, your holy life that has been set apart from the rest of the world. The world might see that and it would be a testimony to God. That is the purpose that God set us apart. That is the purpose that Jesus Christ stepped in and died for us. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. He's reminding you, it is a gift from God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. He doesn't want anybody boasting about salvation because salvation comes from God alone. For we are God's works, workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Students, I want to talk to you tonight about living an uncommon life. We are almost at the end of this series. On Sunday mornings, Pastor Scott is taking us through this series uh, that's referencing back to a capital campaign where we, where we raised money uh, to build the, the facility that you guys gather in. 
uh, before church. Uh, we all took part in doing that, and Scott is revisiting that, recasting that vision of what, uh, what that was like and calling more people to get behind what was going on. Now, I do want to ask you a question. There were students in here that came to Element during that campaign. Any of you willing to go, I took part in that and I made some kind of commitment. Any of you students do that? <clears throat> so we got a handful. It looks like there's maybe 10, maybe 12 students. Uh, that made a commitment to be a part of that. So you guys remember what that was like. And uh, so not only did, did, is Scott revisiting that, but we want to revisit that on Wednesday night as well because students, God is calling you to be something uncommon amongst your peers. And, and I get it. I get that it, when you're in the midst of middle school, all you want is to blend in. Man, I'm not going to ruffle anyone's feathers. I'm not going to draw any attention. I'm just going to go with the flow. And some of you guys carried that through high school, and you're just like, man, I just want to get graduated. I don't want to bring any notice from anything. I don't, want to be, I don't want anybody to pay any attention to me. I just want to get through. But here's the deal, students. God has set you apart for works that he is needing you to do. And the uncommon life that I want to talk to you about tonight is this. So many people make the assumption that following Jesus is a list of things that I can't do and a list of things that I have to do. I can't smoke cigarettes. I can't drink. I can't have sex. I can't gamble. I can't do drugs. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't look at porn. I can't do this. I can't do this. I have to go to church. I have to be nice. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to uh, go to church on Sunday mornings. I have to go to church on Wednesday nights. I have to be nice to my brother, even though he steals my jeans. I have to be nice to my sister, even when she uses my curling iron. Like all of those things. We think it's a list of do's and a list of don'ts. I want to boil this down to you tonight, students, to make it as simple as possible that I want to tell you that following Christ has very little to do with these lists of do's and don'ts. And I want to challenge you with three simple ways that God is calling you to live. And I believe that if you follow through with this challenge, you'll find that these lists will simply take care of themselves. The first thing that God is calling you to do is God is calling you to serve. Would you be willing to serve in an uncommon way. Jesus, uh, Jesus was a great model for this. It was just a few hours before he was crucified. He walked into a room where they were going to enjoy a meal together. Meals in that day, you weren't sitting at tables. You were reclining at a table that was low to the floor. And you're going to love this. How many of you guys have uh, sibling, sibling, have brothers that are in middle school? <coughs> How many of you have a brother in middle school? Hold up, loud and proud. Good and high. I got a brother that's in middle school. We're going to throw freshmen in there too. Anybody have freshman brothers? How bad, how bad did their feet stink? Thank you. Now, <coughs> I am, <coughs> excuse me. I am convinced that terrorists could use their shoes for chemical warfare, right? You guys know when your brother comes in and takes his shoes off? And you can like smell it when it's this far away, okay? Would any of you, get me, get me right here. Would any of you want to eat supper within 12 inches of those feet? 
right? So let's multiply that. Listen, let's add to that your little brother walking dirt streets where animals have been going to the bathroom. <coughs> and it's not just baseball, football, wrestling, and soccer practice in those shoes. We're going to add like the feces of animals between the toes. You don't want that, right? So Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to serve like I serve. It came time to eat. Everybody knew that everybody's feet were nasty. Jesus walked in and he took the role of the servant. He wrapped a towel around his waist, took a basin of water one by one. He knelt at people's feet, started washing feet, getting his hands filthy before the meal. This, this role was, served, was reserved for the person that was like lowest on the totem pole, you guys. And Jesus said, I want you to see how I serve because I'm going to ask you to serve in the way that I serve with humility. No job is too low. No role is, is too menial. No task is too mundane for me to serve. I want you to think about that for a minute in your world where those tasks exist in your everyday, at your house, in your school building, on your teams, in your clubs. The role that nobody wants to do and you're like, man, I'm an eighth grader now. I don't have to do that. I'm a senior now. That's for the... Juniors and sophomores, I shouldn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said, look, I should be the last one taking this role, but I'm going to embrace it. This is how I want you to serve in an uncommon way. The next example that Jesus set for us was the way that he loved. Nothing more compassionate, students, than the cross. Scripture says that Jesus embraced the cross. He embraced the shame and the humiliation because he had my sin, my sin, in his, in his mind, in his eyes as he died upon that cross. He had your sin in his mind as he died upon that cross. And he understood that true love was sacrificial. True love takes sacrifice. True love isn't romantic. Are you kidding me? Balloons, candy, what? Flowers. Guess what? Balloons, candy, flowers, gifts could do nothing for your sin situation. Paul said it in Ephesians. Guess what? You were hopeless. You were hopeless in your sin. <coughs> Jesus said, I'm going to take that hopelessness and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to give them hope because I'm going to love them sacrificially. So he's saying, look, you can serve and I want you to live a life of loving. And here's the last one, students. He wants you to live a generous life. Now, the book of Romans, the same person that wrote the book of Ephesians wrote the book of Romans, and he spends 11 chapters. I wanted to read it to you tonight. 
of talking about how hopeless we are in our sinful state. But God is choosing to step in. And, and even though that we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, there is hope because Jesus chose to die. And he recounts this over and over again, how we were dead in our sin, but we're made alive in Christ. And how important it is that we choose to live in light of that truth and not the truth of, of sinfulness and not the, and not the, excuse me, not the lies of sinfulness, not the lies of despair, but that we live and we walk in the truth of scripture that says Jesus has made us new. He goes through 11 chapters of theology and then he says this word, he says, therefore, because of those 11 chapters, so if you want a place to start reading, because of those 11 chapters, he says, therefore, I'll read it with you guys up on here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform, any, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. You heard Ransom talk about approaching the altar, right? How, how, how God is standing there with open arms and he talked about that, that lamb that was brought to the altar. You guys, that moment of sacrifice happened once a year. That moment of sacrifice was holy. And Paul is saying in this, in this chapter 12 of Romans, he's saying, I urge you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Would you make yourself a generous blameless offering to God. What would that mean for you to be generous with your life? That lamb that was brought to the altar, that lamb didn't get to say, hey, I'm willing to offer part of my body. It was all or nothing. Either the lamb was sacrificed or the lamb wasn't sacrificed. Would you offer yourself wholly and completely to God? Because students, when it comes to, to giving and being uncommon, man, some of you, some of you should sign up and get on board with what our church is doing, financially speaking, because you know what? Not because God needs your money, okay? You guys don't hear me preach on money probably enough. It's probably something that needs to change. But not many of you have a ton of money to give. But God is, he's not interested in your money, but he is interested in your heart. And he knows how your heart is attached to your money. So yeah, he's looking at you and going, will you be generous? Because he's asking for you completely. One of the great moments when I walk into a baptistry with a student, I got to do that on uh, Wednesday night last week with uh, Jacob Nesvara. I get to look at him and I get to go, hey, you know what? This means that you choose God first. Every time. 
without exception. And that's what it means to offer your body as a living sacrifice. I give my life to you, God. I give you my athletics. I give you my academics. I give you my relationships. I give you my family. I give you my attitude. I give you my worries. I give you my joy. Yeah, I'll give you my money too. But all that other stuff is somewhat a little more difficult, isn't it? So what is it that God is wanting you to be generous with, with your life? I want you to consider that as we sing this next song together. Here's what you guys need to consider tonight is this. Yes, our flesh is weak. Uh, but God absolutely never, ever fails. I hope you hear that in chapter 2 of Ephesians, those powerful words of redemption that we were nothing but hopeless. Because some of you guys tonight are like, man, I need some hope. I know that I'm on the other side of salvation. When it comes to relationship with Jesus, if that happens here, I'm, I'm on the side that I haven't done that yet. And some of you are living on this side of that relationship. I want to boil it down simply to you in this manner, and I hope you're hearing it, that God is calling you to serve, to love, and to be generous. And that generosity comes through a lifestyle of worship. Don't complicate it. Serve and love and be generous in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you so much, Father, for your word. Lord, your scripture just lays out hope for us. And God, I know that I set the expectation so high for these students, but Father, I know it's because there's so much at stake in their own lives and the lives of their friends around them that I cannot help but make the big ask, God, on your behalf that they would, they would choose to live holy and set apart for your sake. Father, I pray for the students in this room that that have yet to make that relationship with Jesus real, Lord, I pray that you would work on them. Father, that you would, you would cause them to desire a conversation with their small group leader, just to make things right with you, God, to find wholeness and peace with you, Lord. And Father, I pray for our students in this room that would call themselves your followers. God, I pray that their lives would look uncommon and set apart from the world around them. That Father, when people would look at them, they would see the way that they serve and love and the way that they worship with generosity in the name of Jesus. And they would see that and they would know that they belong to you. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.